0: Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 16 and particularly that wonderful verse 14 in which we are told about the conversion of Lydia. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. This was a very important occasion, it was an important occasion for us today because the gospel of Jesus Christ was brought to Europe for the first time and this was the first person to be converted in Europe. It was the first visit that Paul, it seemed, had made to Europe. He came as a result of a vision and he and his fellow Apostles and comrades, they came to an agreement together that uh, they should move into Macedonia. And so they did and made their way to Philippi, chief city of that area. Macedonia was a Roman colony, so Philippi was part of the Roman Empire. Seems that there was no synagogue in the city, but women did meet outside the city, but a mile outside the city, to pray. It was called a place of prayer. They were devout women. They were not yet Christians, it seems, but they were God-fearing people. And as Paul spoke to them, this happened to Lydia. The Lord opened her heart. Now, it's important, as I say, because it was the first convert in Europe under the ministry of Paul. And if you think of the immense historical significance of Europe to the world, then you will realize just how important this moment was. Politically, economically, socially, intellectually, and in many other ways, Europe has had a tremendous effect upon the rest of the world. I know we live in the Western world and we tend to think in a Western way. But nevertheless, that would be true. It would certainly be true of the progress of the gospel throughout the whole world, largely from within Europe. So this is where it all began. And that's why we're here this morning. And then it was a woman who was the first convert. I think that's important. It's significant. If you think of the importance of women in the ministry of our Lord and in the life of the early church, you will understand why I say that. It was the women who were the first witnesses of the resurrection. In the early church they had a great influence. People like Dorcas, people like uh, Priscilla and others. And in subsequent centuries women have had a rich and important ministry in the life of the church and in the witness of the church. Think of some of the hymns that we sing. Many of these devotional hymns, experimental hymns, were written by women. Charlotte Elliott, Francis Ridley Havergal, and uh, Letitia Waring, among many others, and Margaret Clarkson in our own uh, centuries. So women have had a very important role in the life of the church, and they still do. The Lord gave the word, we are told, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. And the tenses and the nouns and the pronouns in that particular verse point to women. It's about women and their ministry. And in families, godly mothers have had a profound effect upon the lives of their children. Christian nannies in the 19th century were responsible under the blessing of God for the conversion of over 100 children who then became members of the aristocracy. Grandmothers have a profound opportunity to help their grandchildren and even their great-grandchildren. So women have been greatly used by God. And it's interesting and important that Lydia, the first convert, was a woman. We read here about the way God orders events, what we call his providence. He ordered it so that uh, Paul found himself in Philippi. He had no intention of going there. If you followed the reading earlier on, you will have noticed that Paul had said to Barnabas after the Council of Jerusalem, let's go back and visit our brothers in every city where we've already preached the word and to see how they are. That was Paul's intention he and Barnabas to do it together. But they had this profound disagreement, a sharp contention about whether to take John Mark with them. And Paul wouldn't have John Mark with them, but Barnabas took him. And so you had two missionary teams that were formed out of this contention. It's a wonderful illustration of the way God can overrule sometimes our mistakes, sometimes our disagreements for the good of his people and the cause of the kingdom. So, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they traveled, they traveled to those Christians in Syria and Cilicia who had already received the word of God. They were encouraging and strengthening them. And they wanted to go to Asia Minor, but were forbidden. we told the Holy Spirit forbade them. We're not exactly sure how that happened, It must clearly have been a very strong impression upon their spirits that they should not go to Asia Minor. And then Paul received this vision, a man in Macedonia, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So they came to Philippi. God overruled Paul's own strategy, important though that was, for his own reasons, for his own purposes. And also, God brought this lady, Lydia, to Philippi. She didn't live there. She came from Thyatira. She was a prosperous businesswoman, obviously had a large house. And there in Philippi, this God-fearing woman, not yet a Christian, met with other women outside the city. And the outcome was, when Paul came and spoke to them, God opened her heart and she became a true believer in Jesus Christ. When God intends to save you, when God intends to make you one of His, He will move heaven and earth to bring it about. It may be a Christian home. It may be a chance meeting of somebody on an airplane or a boat or a train. It may be a tract you receive. It may be an invitation to a meeting. It may be a tragedy, it may be an illness, it may be a bereavement, a severe mercy. But God will use what we call his providential dealings with us to make sure that we come to him. The providence of God, that's why we opened the service with that great hymn. Guarding the dust of earth, commanding the hosts above, fulfilling the mighty plan of his great love. And that's a great thing, it's a great thing. You're here this morning, I don't know if you're a Christian, but it could be that you're here for a very important reason, as Lydia was with those ladies as they met. Maybe that God is going to speak to you and open your heart, as he's done for many of us in similar circumstances. The real, I think, lesson from this wonderful little vignette in the Book of Acts is we have here a picture of what happens when a person becomes a Christian, when a person is what we call converted to Christ. We are told she heard, she listened. It's an imperfect active in the original language, which means that she went on listening. This wasn't a spasm, it wasn't a temporary urge. She continued to listen. Now, it's not easy, is it, to listen? It's even more difficult, perhaps, to listen today than it was then. With all the technology we have, with all the paraphernalia around us, with all the voices that we hear, it's very hard sometimes to listen. The world is full of ideas and ideologies. The media throw ideas at us constantly. There's clamor, there's noise, there's voices here, voices there. So much to distract us. A Welsh poet in Newport wrote a poem some years ago, What is this life if full of care we have no time to stand and stare? It's difficult to do that. The world is contrary to a listening mode today. And then the flesh, our human personalities, our human flesh, our prejudices, our predispositions, our, our presuppositions... We, come, we don't come with an open mind. We all come from a background. We all have a certain mindset. And if we are a bit challenged by what we're hearing, we become very annoyed and don't like it. That personality of ours, it's, it's resisting, particularly the message of the gospel of Christ. And there is this enemy, this devil, who is at work in Philippi, as we know from the rest of the chapter, who will do everything he can to prevent us from listening. The God of this world, keeping the minds of people under captivity, lest the light of the gospel should shine into their hearts. John Bunyan wrote a great book, not just The Pilgrim's Progress, but The Holy War, in which he describes man's soul, And Mansoul is taken over by Diabolus, the devil. And Diabolus does everything he can to keep Mansoul quiet, not for people to be disturbed there. The disturbed sleep of death. That's the kind of idea that is presented to us in the holy war. It's disturbed because Mr. Conscience is still alive in man's soul, and now and again he wakes up and starts shouting, waking everybody up and disturbing them when they're asleep. But it's Bunyan's way of talking about how hard it is for us to listen to God's word. We listen to the philosophers, we listen to the poets, we listen to the politicians ad nauseam. But get us to listen to God's word... So she was a listener, genuinely listening, patiently listening, concerned enough to want to know. John Wesley once wrote a piece. It's worth quoting. I want to know one thing, he said, the way to heaven. God himself has condescended to teach the way. He's written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. I sit down alone. Only God is here. In his presence, I open, I read the book. And then he goes on to explain what happens when he comes across things he doesn't understand. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. Well, here is the word of God that tells us. So Paul sat down and he spoke to these ladies. He didn't preach a great sermon with all the oratory of the philosophers, he sat down and naturally and wisely and, I suppose, conversationally, without pretense, without oratory, without cleverness, he simply spoke to them. He told them about Jesus Christ, whom he himself had met and who had changed him totally. He spoke about who Jesus was, the Son of God, who became man he told him why he told them why jesus had come into the world sent by god the father to live a life that we couldn't live and to die a death for us as sinners bearing our sin and taking our shame and the anger of god against our sin he told them about the cross of jesus and then god raising him from the dead and giving him new life a new body a new embodiment a spirituality that he had never known before in his ordinary humanity, a spiritual body, that is to say a body capable of expressing the life of God. He would have told them about his ascension to heaven and about his reign over all things and his return, his coming again, the gospel the great gospel message that God loved the world and gave his son to be the saviour of mankind. This glorious good news, he would have told them that, naturally, informally, no doubt. He, God, sent his son to be the saviour of the world. He took the initiative. He intervened. He became incarnate. He came to save us. Paul knew that. He'd been changed. He was now a new man. He couldn't understand the change. He didn't even understand who he was. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He couldn't get over it. And he would have told them. They would have realized here was a man who knew Jesus Christ himself. And this Jesus that he spoke is the Jesus who cleanses people from their sin, who clothes them with his righteousness, who consecrates them to be his servants, who calls people to come to him. Paul would have told them the good news. I'm reminded of that Indian chief who one night received a visit from a Moravian missionary. The man was exhausted, He came into the tent of the Indian chief. He obviously was so tired that he wanted to sleep. But he said, before I sleep, I've come to tell you that God in heaven has a son who came into the world and who died to take away our sins. And he is alive and he can come to us and change us and make us into new people. And then he collapsed fast asleep. And the Indian chief looked at him and thought, well, what, what, well who is this man? I could, I could plunge an arrow into his heart. I could, I could spear him to death. Who is this man? But that night he said, I could not get out of my mind that God, the great eternal spirit, had sent his son into the world to forgive my sins and that of the people." that I might know him and love him. I could not get that out of my mind when he was the first person in his tribe to become a Christian. So that's what Paul was here doing with these ladies. He had a wonderful message, as we do. And it's thrilling. It's glorious. It's mighty. The gospel message. Concerning Jesus Christ. So it comes through hearing, through listening. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And it also comes when, as we hear and as we listen, God opens our heart. The original verb is in the aorist tense. In other words, this happened suddenly. Suddenly. It was an event. As she listened, this happened. God opened her heart. She didn't open her own heart. This is God's work. Paul didn't open her heart with a subtle process of indoctrination. This was not his work, though God used his words. It wasn't Lydia's work. It was God's work. He opened her heart. Only God can do that. Because your heart, as mine was, is barred and bolted against Christ. The holy war tells us that. God attacks us with his law and he breaks us down. He humbles us. He brings us low. He makes us aware of ourselves and our sins which we don't like, but it's good for us to know. And then he begins to open the heart up. By his power, Emmanuel enters Mansoul, Prince Emmanuel, the champion, the victor. And he sets the place free. Diabolus has to flee. The city awakes. By the power of the blood of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, your heart is open. The cross, said Paul, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's a good work as well as God's work because it goes right to the very heart of your being. You receive a new heart, a new life, a new spirit. You receive the truth into your mind. You respond to it from your heart. And as we were listening to the children this morning, we rest in Jesus Christ. Come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Faith is resting in Christ, not on ourselves, not on our circumstances, not on other people, but Christ. It's a Great work, because it changes us right at the seat of our being. New light, new joy, new desires, new appetites, new ability, a new creation, a new world. The gate is narrow, but my, it opens you up to huge horizons of wonder. It's God's work, it's a great work, and it's a good work. Because the Creator puts within you His Spirit, a new disposition, a new Attitude to everybody, to everything. To God, to yourself, to life, to the world. This principle of holiness. God now becomes real to you. You want to know him. You want to love him. You're washed. And you're now being renewed day by day. It's a wonderful thing, this. The gift of the Holy Spirit to a dead soul. Bringing it to life. You must, Jesus said, you must be born again. That's what God does. It's a good work. Paul said, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. The opening of the heart. Has your heart been opened? Has God prized it open? Has the love and the life and the light of Christ entered into your heart? It's a glorious thing. Words cannot describe it. The Lord opened her heart. Have you heard the voice of Jesus speaking softly to your heart? And you know when you have because your life changes, her life changed. She not only heard, but she heeded. Did you notice that? She heeded. She took action. She obeyed. She responded. She now had an appetite for truth. She wanted to know more more light, more love, more knowledge, more of Christ. The opening of her mind and heart and soul to a new world. She was baptized. She openly confessed Christ to be her Lord and Saviour. In that way, she involved her family, her servants, the household. She had a concern for them. She wanted them to know they were all baptised. She cared for the apostles. She opened up her home to them, not simply saying, I'd like you to come and stay, but she persuaded them. She couldn't have enough of what they wanted to say to her. So she humbly opened up her home and her life and her heart to them and to others. She was a new creation. This is what happens when you become a Christian. It begins to show things change, your desires, your language, your attitudes, your view of life the way you listen to people on the media. You now filter it through a new grid. You see things in another way. You have your eyes open to another world. Charles Wesley put it wonderfully. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Have you done that? Have you responded? Well, the Christian goes on responding. We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Colossian church, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is the way it is with God. Has this work of God happened in your heart? Has this great work occurred within you? Has this good work occurred within you? Well, like Lydia... Listen, respond, trust. Paul would have persuaded her, I don't doubt. I remember once being in a presbytery meeting in New Zealand. And at a camp that we'd had, 50 young people had become Christians. And there were liberal ministers in the presbytery who were very annoyed. They thought they'd been indoctrinated, these young people, which they hadn't. And uh, they were protesting and arguing and saying this was scandalous. And uh, my brother Winford stood up and he quoted the end of Acts 28. Paul day and night persuaded them. If you found a cure to an illness, You want people to know. If you have found Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you want people to know. So may the Lord help us in responding to heed, to listen, to obey, and to give our lives to him, to serve him, to give our time to him, our callings, our relationships, our homes, to be sacrificial servants of Jesus Christ. And to have this wonderful ministry of testifying to others that God, having opened our hearts, can open theirs also.